the line. The dancing half, the ball comes back to Stewart. They float across the line. It comes to Linda. Back inside it comes to Lyons. He's away from one tackle. Then the ball back to Stewart. They've got an overlap. Stewart's gone straight through. It comes to halfway. Where are the wingers? He's up over halfway. He's looking for Eddie Howard. He's still going, Stewart. He gave it to Maninga. Hello and welcome to your Things Rugby League podcast. I'm joined with Jacob and Dylan from the Shortball Podcast. How are you guys? I'm good, mate. I'm good, mate. How are you going? Yeah, good, good, good. Um, today we're going to be talking about the Queensland coach. Now, obviously, Paul Green, uh, he's no longer the Queensland coach. Uh, that's pretty big news coming out of their camp. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, I... I'm sort of uh, I'm I'm two ways about this uh, decision really because I think he wasn't great this series, but you still got to give a chance to prove himself. Still, what what do you think about this? Yeah, yeah no, obviously totally. being yeah being a Queensland supporter, um, sort of giving the coach the flick after one series isn't always the best sight. Looking into the camp, but he has won a NRL Grand Final. Many people forget that, but. Yeah, it's obviously a bit disappointing. Yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah, look, I think it was a bit harsh to judge him after one uh, Origin series, but um, yeah, look, it, it wasn't a great series. Um, and I think that someone better will obviously come in um, and, and make Queensland one of the, one of those winning um, Origin sides again. Um, their success rate was obviously one from three games. Um, cause they obviously won the, the third game, um, in the origin series this year. Um, what do you guys think? Would he have been successful if he stayed as the coach of the Maroons for a further few seasons? What do you guys think on that? Um, yeah, look, I'll, I'll just go first again. Um, I think the, the third game sort of, sort of speaks for itself, I guess, in the fact that. Paul Green could have easily just thrown the towel in and the whole team could have just thrown the towel in and said, we've just been absolutely demolished in the first two games. And they turned up and they really, really gave it their all and won that game back. So I guess it's not... It, this series isn't an indicator of how Paul Green could have gone as a Queensland coach in the future. I think... I just think the New South Wales side is that much better in terms of a roster. And I think... I would have given Paul Green another another chance at it if he wanted to stay. Um, there's obviously a bit of talk that he wanted to also coach an NRL side, so that's sort of a reason why he got uh, why he got dropped, and um, they're trying mm. to find someone else for that job now. But yeah, I, I just don't think this series was fair to him. Yeah, yeah, obviously, obviously the same. You can't really judge someone off three um, origin games and not having the best roster they had there to play. But you, as Jacob said, you look at the New South Wales side and you go back a few years to when Queensland had that amazing side and you sort of think you see glimpses of that Queensland side in this origin side when you've got people like Nathan Cleary, Tom Travojevic, all, all around this 21-24 bracket age. And I don't think there was a player over like the age of 27 in that New South Wales side. So they're going to be a, a team for a long, long um, origin series run. You know, I, t- I totally agree. I, I, I personally, I think he's a, more of a club coach than an international or origin coach. Uh, I think he um, handles a club 
way better than he would um, an Origin side. I think if he does coach an NRL side, I reckon it'll be pretty good um, for him. And I think it'd suit him a bit better. Um, sort of having a little longer to get used to the roster as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, honestly, my opinion is I think he'd suit a club roster more personally than a, um, an, a, a state of origin roster. So I'd have to, um, yeah, I, I'd have to hundred percent agree with you, mate, in the fact that um, coaching a NRL side and coaching an origin or a representative side is, is so much different because for an NRL side, you get the chance to build those systems and put those systems in place for the future. And you sort of build your own team. Whereas um, I think Kenty said this on NRL, sorry, th- NRL 360 on Monday. Um, it's just sitting there and you've got to select a side and you've got to have a sort of way with the dressing room. You've got to be able to get the best out of your players for those three games. It's not like a, um, it's not like a system where you can just get the players that you want in there with the right attitude and all that sort of things. It's you've got to get a combination of players who are the best fits for that side right then and there. And then you've got to be able to get them to play their best footy by just good man management, really. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, look, um, he, he definitely needs that time to get used to his rosters. And I think the difference also is bringing, like the other year when they brought Wayne Bennett in, I think the players sort of trusted him a bit more because of his, because, geez, Wayne Bennett is probably one of the best coaches in the game other than Craig Bellamy. He's got an amazing origin record. Um, his club records are pretty good as well. Most of his team's gotten to the finals. Um, yeah, look, I think I think bringing someone in with a bit more uh, um, recognition and a bit more fame, um, not fame necessarily, more so... Um, so bringing someone in that the players will um, respect more. Um, I'm not saying that the players didn't respect Paul Green. I think Paul Green's a great coach, but I think bringing someone in like Wayne Bennett um, or even a Billy Slater, like a Smith, some of the players we've got listed here, I think that'd be really beneficial for a Queensland side because they trust him more. Um, yeah, well, the guys like... Uh, that you've got listed here, like your uh, Bill, uh, Billy Slater's, Jonathan Thurston's, all them. They they were obviously a part of that eight-year dynasty. Um, so they're, they're guys that know sort of the culture to build around an origin camp. Uh, they also know the culture to build around an NRL camp, and they know the sort of the differences between the two, um, whether there, there is a lot of difference or whether there's not much difference, I can't tell you because I, I obviously haven't been in those environments, but from the outside looking in, it sort of seems to me that um, an origin coach and an NRL coach are sort of two separate entities. Somebody who's uh, really good at uh, being an origin coach would be a guy like Freddie Fitler, who um, he, he just does like the, the weird stuff that he does, but he, he sort of got the locker room and he sort of got the guys on board with him and, and ready to rip for those three games of the year. Mm-hmm. And he's also a good selector. Like he, he sees these guys, he sees the talent that they have, and he says, you know what, you can have a crack, you can have a crack. I think you'll be good for this series sort of thing. So that's what I sort of see in, a, in an origin coach. And I think the guys here like uh, uh, Billy Slater, Cameron Smith, Jonathan Thurston, I think they'll be good with that, especially having played with a lot of these um, guys coming through for Queensland. Obviously, you guys like Munsters and your Daily Cherry Evans have sort of done their apprenticeship under these guys, so they'll obviously have a lot, a lot of respect for them. Yeah, no, totally. And, and even guys like Daily Cherry Evans, like Cherry Evans and, and 
uh, Thurston played together as well. Bringing someone like Thurston into a club, um, your captain's obviously going to trust him. Then the boys are going to trust him. And I think um, that is one of the best formulas you can possibly have for a Queensland side, just that that trust um, in your coach. I think that'd be fantastic. Dylan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I said it on um, yesterday's podcast when we just sort of saw the news coming in, but I feel like as Jacob and you boys said, we had listed Thurston, Slater, all these names. They've obviously, and Smith said he's up for the job about a week ago, so that might play a factor in. Maybe Queensland did give him the boot, but they've come out and said um, he stepped away from the job. But having someone like Thurston, Slater and Smith, it gives the players coming in a real fresh mind. Having them players there who have only recently... um, only recently retired. They all know how the modern day game is played, obviously with three of them possibly being future immortals and what Smith and Thurston have done for the game is massive. But having them players, the people in the camp, someone like Sam Walker, who's probably going to be there within the next few years, they're going to be able to develop him into a great player, although he is already a great player. Someone like Reese Walsh, who was meant to get his game. He said the advice Slater was giving him was just phenomenal. So, Imagine having them sort of calibre of players that have played the game and then going into the Queensland coaching role. It's going to be massive for the Queensland fans and players. Yeah. Also, you've got uh, Wayne Bennett as well listed here. Well, I think it's another one that could be that could be really good for them because obviously he took that worst Queensland side in history, um, as a lot of people were dubbing it, um, and, and he won a series with them. So... I think Wayne Bennett is probably your best option there because he's got the runs on the board and obviously he's one of the best coaches of all time. And he's also, he's free from the Rabbitohs from next year onwards. I think if that franchise club doesn't come in until, oh, that new Queensland franchise club doesn't come in until 2024, 20, 25, then obviously you've got a few years there where you can have Wayne Bennett as that origin coach and sort of get the best out of that, out of that squad as well, who obviously uh, something that, a lot of people need to factor in as well here is the fact that New South Wales just have more talent than Queensland at the moment. It's like that eight-year dynasty that Queensland had, they just had more talent than New South Wales. So that's another thing that we've got to factor in as well when, when you've got to choose a coach. Yeah, no, totally. So let's let's actually go through the coaches. The first one I've got here, uh, we've been talking about him a bit, Billy Slater. What are your thoughts on Billy Slater and the impact he could have being the coach of the Queensland side? You go, Dylan. Yeah, as I sort of said just before, the the experience that man has and how well he plays the game and how well he knows the Queensland environment and how he can bring a team together and just show that camaraderie, I reckon it, it it's a very big option to weigh in. And obviously, just the way he plays the game, I uh, used to play the game, sorry, is just phenomenal. And yeah, the main thing I see in Slater's experience and... He will be massive for the Queensland team. Um, also, another thing to sort of factor in is the guys, these guys when they were playing, like Billy Slater and Cameron Smith were considered the best footy minds going around going around the park at the time. Like Billy Slater, I've heard that many raps about him and the way he thinks about the game. And that's sort of something as well to factor in is the guys that were there, but also sort of, sort of had the footy brain to to sort of outsmart people in a way. So I think Billy Slater is a massive option there. I think obviously you can have that 
have that sort of coaching staff of Jonathan Thurston's already been there. So he was there for this last series. Then you got Cameron Smith and Billy Slater can come in. And then you sort of just got that old um, culture from that eight year dynasty. So look, I think those guys are, those guys are going to be massive for them. Um, I really like the idea of Billy Slater coming in, but as I said before, I think Wayne Bennett is another one that they probably should be looking at. So yeah, I'm, I really like Billy Slater. Mm. Well, look, um, Dylan was talking about it before that the winning di- dynasty as well. If you bring in that culture from that winning dynasty, players like Billy Slater, he's probably already going to bring in Cameron Smith and Thurston probably into the coaching staff somewhere anyway. So you've sort of um, got a connection between those three players. Having them all, all three of them pretty much in the squad or even just one of them really just brings back that culture for that winning dynasty. The next player I've got here is Cameron Smith. Now, I think he's probably one of the smartest players I think I've ever heard speak, uh, to be honest, like on his um, podcast. Um, on his radio station with Beak, uh, I think, yeah, no, he, he's he's one of the probably one of the smartest players I've heard speak. What are your thoughts, uh, Jacob and Dylan? Um, look, with uh, like I said before, with Cameron Smith, he's one of the smartest footy brains going around. Like he's obviously played the most games of footy as well, which sort of helps that in a way. Um, I I just like him, Slater, Cronk, Thurston, all those guys just um they're just winners and they're just guys who would who would certainly uh help this Queensland side if they were brought in they certainly wouldn't um make it any worse than it went last year and that and they've also because they know a lot of the guys currently playing because they've played with a lot of them they, they've seen how they train they see their attitude they see their efforts so that's another thing as well because they can they can select the guys that they know will do well and they know will have a crack for them Yeah, obviously, um, we talk about the best in the game. You you throw up Cameron Smith in the air for being the best ever to play the game. You talk about how influential he is on a team when he's playing. Imagine he has that role to sit back and decide who gets to take what role and what players will build a good bond together and a good camaraderie and hopefully win a series. You think of Cameron Smith straight away, just what he's done for Queensland and Melbourne and how well he plays as a player and and how well he speaks about the game. Obviously, you said on his podcast with Denon, just the way he talks and how formal and professional he is, he's probably got to be up there with the next player. And he did say, I think it was a week or two ago, he wouldn't say no to the role if he was given it. So I really think Smith has got to be up there with the next Queensland coach within the coming years. Yeah, no, I totally agree with um, Cameron Smith. I mean... He's, he's definitely one of the best to play the game. I totally agree. Um, and yeah, he would be just be fantastic in that camp, camp, no matter what role he plays, whether that's coach or, or just in, in the uh, in the coaching staff altogether. I think just him being in that squad would be so beneficial for all the boys. The next one I've got here is Mal Meninga. Now, not many people would have, talk, would have talked or mentioned Mal Meninga, but geez, you could definitely get the job done. Just the impact he had... Um, the other year when he was uh, in the coaching staff. I mean, yeah, he's just a fantastic um, – yeah, he'd be a fantastic coach, Mal Meninga. What are you, what, your thoughts, guys? Uh, look, Mal Meninga was obviously the um, coach for that eight-year dynasty, and that's an achievement nobody can take away from as a representative coach. I just think he got – he was gifted in a way that he just had the best – 
talent going around at the time. And he and he had guys who really built a good culture for him. Like he had the Lockyers, and then you'd replace him with Thurston and Cronk, and then you'd bloody Cameron Smith was there the whole time, Billy Slater. Like these guys are phenomenal talents, and and they came from a came from teams with really good cultures with with winning with winning formulas. So. Mal Meninga, in a sense, was gifted with that, but you, you can't take any of his accomplishments away. And, and he's also the Australian rep coach um, at the moment or over the past few years. So I think he's he's going to be in conversation. I personally would rather one of the other guys, but you, you can't take any of Meninga's um, accomplishments away from him. Yeah, building off what Jacob said, he is the... Um the coach that took them to that eight-year run, although he did have the players along the lines of Thurston, Slater, Cronk, Smith, um, all them front rowers, Corey Parker was in there in the mix of them good players. But personally, I don't think Mal Meninga will do the job. Obviously, he's got a big role at the Titans now, and obviously being the Australian coach, unless he steps away from that role, I do see him coming in, obviously, just with his pass and how well he brought that team together. But... I reckon one of the other men up for the role would be more likely to have him as the coach just with, as I said before, he is the Australian coach at the moment. Yeah, well, I think Jacob made a good point, um, him having all of that talent in there. But I think you can pretty much say the same about Brad Fidler. He's got all the talent. He's got players like Tedesco, Tavrojevic, uh, Adokar. Uh, the list goes on. Cleary, um, even Luai at the moment, he's been playing all right. He's not really noticed with Cleary there, but he's still been playing fantastic. He's pretty much got all the talent he needs, and, he, and his depth is just unbelievable. So, yeah, look, I think Mal Meninga would be a really good choice, but that, as you said, um, as you guys said, look, Mal Meninga had all the talent there. Um, it'd be quite interesting, though, to see what happens if he does go there um, and if he does step away from that Australian role. Uh, what happens and how he does coach that side, uh, considering the lack of talent they have now. Um, yeah, um, I, I just want to add something on Mal Meninga as well. This is this has been no disrespect to him because I think he's a phenomenal coach. But this Queensland team would be a lot tougher for him to coach than that than that old Queensland team he had. I'm not saying he's not up to it because he certainly can be, and that's for him to prove. And I mm. think. It's just going to be a lot tougher of a task for him uh, than that last Queensland side was. And you also mentioned uh, Fittler having all the talent there. Why I respect Fittler so much for what he's done with this with this New South Wales side is he's had his fingerprints on this side for five to ten years now. Like obviously he was coaching those under 16s and under 18s, and he's sort of had his had his fingerprints on all those good young guns coming through the ranks. So I think. What Fittler has done for New South Wales has been extremely uh, incredible, especially after sort of the punishment we went through, like losing 11 of 12 series. Um, so he's really done a good job. And, yeah, for Mauninga, no disrespect to him, but I want to see him prove that he can do it with a with a rec side that just isn't as talented as his last team, which which I think he can. Like uh, He definitely has the potential to, especially because he went eight years in a row. Like, there's no disrespect to him, and he's... And he's uh, He's got a lot of accomplishments as a rep coach. So, yeah, I, I'd just like to see how he'd go with that. You know, I agree. Um, Well, I, I, I agree in the sense, like, imagine you take away Tedesco, Trevojevic, 
Cleary, you take away all the talent in the in the blue side. How do you think Fitler's going to go then? Like I, I, I definitely that that really just proves your point. Um, it'd be interesting to see how Meninga does go if if he does get the role with the new side. Uh, it, it'd definitely be quite interesting. Another man I've got here uh, who has a huge success rate. We we're talking about him before at nearly the start of the podcast. Wayne Bennett. Now, he's been linked to the expansion side, but if he doesn't get this expansion side, and if this expansion side doesn't happen, which I actually think is likely, he could be the next coach of Queensland, considering he's moving back up to Brisbane. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, look, I think the expansion side, if it does go ahead, which which I I think it will, like the amount of work they've put into it, I think they have to follow through with it at this point, Mm -hmm. which I don't personally agree with, like we talked about last time I came on, but um, I think that they would be stupid not to sort of go after Wayne Bennett. If Wayne Bennett put his hand up to go there, they should be signing him straight away. Like, I, I wouldn't mm. even consider it because he is one of the best coaches of all time. Um, but, yeah, I think Wayne would be very good for this Queensland side, especially, like, in the meantime when he's, he doesn't have a job at the Rabbits and he's um, – He's going to that expansion side, which probably won't happen for another year or two, or or maybe might not come along until like 2024, 2025. So I think it would be a good one to have in the meantime, but I don't know how long you're going to have him there for, especially he's, mm. he's aging as well. So he might be looking at retirement soon. I don't know, but he would be the perfect option if he was to stay there or if there was an extended period before the expansion side came in for him. Yeah, definitely agree with Jacob there. And Bennett obviously said he is going to move to Brisbane. I do think that expansion team will come in, just as Jacob said, the amount of work they've put into it and all the talk that's been going around with the three teams and possibly two combining to make one. But I'm thinking if Bennett was to take the role, just with his experience and what he's done for the Queensland, obviously last year, um, people stated the worst Queensland team in 40 years, but prior to that, the amount of work he's done, not only with Queensland, but with Broncos, Dragons and the Rabbits. Do you see Slater, Thurston and Smith sort of playing that assistant coach role, helping the development of the players, but also Wayne Bennett having the control of the team? It'd be very interesting to see that happen, actually. I I. I would love to see that, actually. Having Wayne Bennett in that main coaching role, then you've got Billy Slater, Cameron Smith, JT, sort of just lurking around the camp, um, uh, helping the players out. That would be huge. Um, the only th- only thing I'm going to disagree with here, now the expansion side. I've got a, I had a podcast come out a few weeks ago. I talked about it, um, and I've, I'm going to talk about it today in a podcast I'm doing today. But, um, look, I get it. I 100% agree that there's been plenty of work put into this expansion side. Um, I just don't see it happening this, like next year. I think if it does happen, it's going to happen in the next two to five years. Because just just with the lack of players coming through, I can tell you um, just myself, um, I play uh, footy uh, for the Wombats um, in Sydney. Um there's just not many players coming through. Um, like, if you take into account all the players that played, um, like, under 16, 17, 18, etc., um, the amount of players that are, are going to actually come through, it's not going to be that many. I was talking about with the Guru the other day um, as well. Um, it's just not likely that 
Um, many players are going to come through. Now, I, you look at all the players that are actually unsigned. You've got plenty of talent um, there. Cameron Munster obviously also said that he would um, consider going to the expansion side. I just don't think it's for this year. I think that if they do do it, it's going to be in the next two to five years. I think that the NRL isn't ready for it. And if they do bring in one side, they've got to bring in two because the fans just aren't going to cope with one of their sides um, missing out like every week. It's just going to, it's going to be quite difficult on the fans. What do you guys think? Um, yeah, look, I've obviously made my thoughts sort of known about the expansion side and how I don't, I don't agree with it um, coming in um, at the moment. I, Obviously, 2023 is their goal to have it in. I just don't think we need to see an improvement in the in the talent that we've got. Not in mm. not overall. Like I think there's enough talent to have a good side there that can compete. It's not going to be like there's going to be teams with zero from 25 wins. I think it's more in particular in the spine. I think the the, the number of uh, quality mm. halfbacks that there are just isn't isn't enough to. To have that guy that can control these, mm. these teams. So you got like what? I'll name you five guys, six six halfbacks who are of the sort of uh, top quality that can sort of run a team around uh, for the premiership. So you got Jerome Hughes, who's not even a halfback, he's a fullback turned halfback. So that sort of shows shows you as well. Then you've got like um, Adam Reynolds, Nathan Cleary. Uh, Mitchell Moses, you can throw in there as sort of like he he can be one of those. Um, oh, who else am I forgetting? Uh, uh, so yeah, you just got Cleary, Reynolds, uh, Daily Cherry yeah. is another premier winner. So look, the the, the number of quality number sevens uh, there isn't as many, and those the the number seven is the most important role on a footy field, as you boys would know. Um, and obviously watching the NRL, like those guys have their hands on the ball the most. They're trying to um, run the team around. And yeah, I, I don't think there's enough quality number sevens for an expansion side. And I don't mm. think an expansion side would be good um, for the fans either, as you mentioned, the buy every round and that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Dylan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, obviously being a halfback myself, um, you look at like players I look up to, as Jacob said, there's probably about five, maybe six, like real, um, real, real good halfbacks coming through at the moment. And I just don't think they'll be able to fill the roster that they would um, like to fill at the expansion side or what people think they can say. It's just not as easy as picking a team, signing them and all heading up north to Brisbane. It's not that easy. There's a lot of mm. development that's going to need to go on. A lot of money sort of things going around but but yeah there's just not the lack of uh there's just not the amount of players that probably I'd think going around at the moment that you could just throw up into a team like that but also mm. is that gonna bring some other teams down even more you think about like your Titans like your Cowboys all them players say you sign someone from there is that just gonna bring them down even more you do you just don't know yeah, well, look, um, I was looking at the players off contract uh, at the end of this season and at the start of next season as well, and I was looking at fullbacks in particular. There isn't any. Like, for the side I had to build for the Redcliffe Dolphins um, for the next podcast, which I'm going to do, the only player that could play fullback 
um, the only two players that could play fullback in there was Dylan Walker and was um, Corey Norman. There weren't many fullbacks off of contract that I would um, chuck in that side. Uh, it's it, look, it's the the pl- amount of players um, that you could chuck in there. And as Dylan says, like there's not many players that are uh, that it's not very easy just to say here you go, you're going to Brisbane. Um, and look, even just starting a new side in the first place, like it's it's a very it's a very hard process because how one you got to brand your side really well two you got to set a culture for your side so it actually depends what coach you bring in as well there's a lot of factors that go into it so it's going to be very hard um to start that expansion side going back onto topic queensland coaches the last bloke i've got here is jonathan thurston what do you guys think about jonathan thurston uh, very similar with what what I sort of think about uh, Cameron Smith and Billy Slater is they're they're greats of they're, they're Queensland greats so obviously they're they're going to be in and around conversations and look I I actually really like that idea that Dylan said before of Wayne Bennett being that head coach and uh, Slater Smith and Thurston sort of getting an apprenticeship underneath uh, him and sort of working around the side and I think that that could be very scary for New South Wales because if they can get um, a good quality side ready to fire, I think that can make a very interesting series. And, and it will be very good, um, a very good quality series if that does happen, because then Queensland can be competitive despite um, not having that sort of talent advantage over New South Wales. So I really like that idea, Bennett at the at the helm, and then you got Thurston Smith and Slater sort of helping around and sort of getting an apprenticeship underneath them. And they can be sort yes. of the the long-term solutions as well. Yeah, obviously Jonathan Thurston being one of the greatest to ever play the game. I think, I think if they were to go with someone like that, I don't think they would chuck them kind of players straight in the deep. And although they could handle it, I feel like they would give them a year or two just to let them sell into that role of being an assistant coach. Although Thurston was this year, and as we talk about before, Bellamy's time is nearly up. So you'd only think he'd have the role for about one to two years. And if he did, you have Smith, uh, Smith, Thurston and Slater there on the assistant coach role. And as soon as he steps away, any of them, possibly they could be a duo or a trio coaching role. You never know. But I just don't think um, Thurston, obviously great coach and would be a great coach. But I think Bennett is the best for that role. Yeah, no, totally. Um, and as you said, Bennett probably doesn't have that long to go, and that, and that's a scary thought. Um, if if you even chucking him in the expansion side, if he doesn't have long to go, who's next? Um, there's plenty of factors that go into this. Having Bennett there as that head coach, and then having players like Thurston, Slater, uh, and Smith just looming around, sort of getting to know the plays and 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 developing a culture there i think that'd be awesome i totally agree with you two boys that'd be a fantastic idea for the club and it would really be threatening um for new south wales as well and look when bennett does go you've got those players who have been um sort of brought in as assistant coaches and, and sort of been uh implemented a culture and then all you have to do is basically say Cameron Smith, you're now the head coach, or Billy Slater, would you like to be the head coach, or JT, would you like to be the head coach? And and the culture is the same, and and the and the fear of that side would be the same. Um, 
yeah, look, it'd be fantastic uh, for any of these guys to become uh, to become coach. Personally, I'd have to agree with you too, and I'd say if there's anyone that would have do the best job out of this list here, I'd have to go Wayne Bennett. To be honest, I think that um, Wayne Bennett would get the job done, even considering that he doesn't have that much longer longer of his career to go. Um, yeah, look, it'd be fantastic to see him um, coach this Queensland side for another few years. I just want to um, I just want to touch on another topic as well. Um, you, you said it's scary how Wayne Bennett's sort of nearing the end of his career, and I'm just sort of looking at that and thinking there's not a lot of quality coaches left in the NRL because you've got guys like Bellamy, Bennett and Robinson, who have been the masterminds, and you can throw Des Hasler into that list as well, who's sort of been the masterminds of the NRL over the last 10 years. And then obviously you've got Bennett and Bellamy coming towards the end of their careers. Obviously, Robinson and Hasler would have, have plenty more left in them, I'd say. But you look at that and you say, well, well, who's going to be the next top coach? Uh, who Who's going to be the guy to come in and be able to win premierships with their team. Like you've obviously got a few guys with one premiership sort of looming around in like the Paul Greens, the Flanagans. You've got guys like Brad Arthur, who's done a great job with the Parramatta Eels. But look, there's not a lot of top top quality coaches at the moment. And you sort of start to think, well, what, what coach is going to sort of fill in that role of Wayne Bennett or fill in the role of Craig Bellamy once they sort of move on? Yeah, I feel that as well. And if but. Bennett was to um, take that role of the Queensland coach within the next few years. Would the old Queensland coach, Paul Green, potentially go down and coach South or Madge Maguire, potentially his role is up in the air. Do you think Green will probably most likely go back into the NRL, NRL coaching role? Look, Madge is a fantastic coach. Um, he's so underrated for the things that he does. I think people forget he did win a premiership with South. Um, he's a fantastic coach. And I think, look, Vossi was saying it, um, he was on the radio the other day. I heard, I picked it up. I heard him say, um, uh, and I, I totally agree with this. Um, Madge and, or I think it was actually Danny Riccio that said this, um, on the, on the radio station. It was that Madge doesn't actually mesh well, um, with, a team like the Tigers, I think he'd go really well at a team with a bit more experience and a te- not experience per se, more so a team with more premiership experience, um, a team um, that will perform consistently every week. I don't think the the problem at the West Tigers is the coach. I think it's more so the players and the culture. Um, look, I think oh. if what do you, what do you think yeah. about that? Um, one thing I will have to say about Madge is he's not a fit at the Tigers, like you said. I think um, also another sort of thing that, that I think as well, Tiger Town, I think, has sort of loosened everybody's opinions about Michael Maguire to an extent because you obviously see the way that he coaches. You think, oh, yeah, he's a good coach. But every single coach in at NRL level is a good coach because you have to have um, some sort of knowledge or some sort of ability to coach to even be at that level. So I think you see you see what Madge does for the Tigers and you think, oh, yeah, he's a good coach. And then you, you, you sort of think, oh, but um, that's everybody in the NRL. Like every single coach in the NRL has some ability. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. I think Madge is a good 
coach, but I don't think he's suited for the Tigers. I think the problem is that the Tigers run a lot deeper than just the coach and the players. I think it's I think it's a board sort of issue because they've had the same issues for 10 years and they've had six or seven different coaches and they've just had the same issues over and over again. They've had very talented squads. They've, they've had very good players come through the ranks there, but they haven't been able to make the finals for however long, 10 years, I think it is. So... The, the problems run a lot deeper than than the coach or the players for, for them. But I think Madge would be uh, a good fit somewhere else. Like um, like you said, a, a team with a bit more hardened players who, who have seen a little bit more, especially with like these young players who are just getting the same message over and over again. And um, like sort of the reports that have been heard about Madge, how he's sort of a taskmaster and he gets some working, working, working um sort of probably doesn't fit well with that Tigers side. So I think it would be best for both parties um, if Madge were to move on. But I also think the Tigers just need a whole sort of refurbishment of the place. They need, mm. it needs to start from the top. The top needs to look at itself. They need to fix the issues that they've got going on up there because otherwise they'll just keep doing the same thing over and over again. It's like Groundhog Day for the Tigers. They just keep mm. still having the same thing over and over again each season. I think I said it yesterday in a podcast I did. It's sort of a rebuild phase that they need. Um, they sort of need to look at themselves um, yeah, and start from the top. And they need to sign players with a bit more experience um, that will speak up in the sheds. Because even if you watch Tiger Town, the only person you're seeing that's speaking in the sheds is Madge. There's no one standing up um, and taking leadership of the side in the playing group. Dylan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, obviously... You just said it then, and I was you sort of taking the words out of my mouth. When they got beat by the um, the storm, and they were losing forty to nil at half time, Madge was talking for about thirty seconds, and he goes, "All right, everyone out. Let's let the boys talk about it." And then the only man who was really talking was Moses Simbai. He was saying, "All right, we need to do this. Let's just show a bit of pride." And then they go out within the first three minutes and get a try scored against them. Their captain at the time was James Tamo, and I saw in the thing he was shaking their hands. Obviously, Tamo, a great coach at a great side like Penrith last year, but I feel like their roster needs to change. You you look at the the good coaches, and then you have a look at their roster. Their roster is just phenomenal, and. They talk about Tigers' best signings um, last year was someone like Joe Offerhangawi, who hasn't really lifted up to his expectations. And someone like Luke Brooks, he's been there for so long and just hasn't really produced much for the Tigers. They just need to look around. For an example, the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs are going through a full rebuilding phase, signing people on the board, getting rid of people on the board, signing their people think about good signings for the Bulldogs. And many people say feel good. And I 100% agree with that. He's probably one of their best signings they have done just through the way he develops all the juniors, brings the club and the culture together. That's probably a really good sign for the Bulldogs. And I feel like the Tigers need to go down the same road. Um, just the fact of the matter for the Tigers is they have $1.5 million in free in their salary cap. They have a guy, Luke Brooks, signed for five years at eight hundred thousand a year, they need to mm. they need to have a look at themselves. They need to they need to review the decisions they've made because Luke Brooks, while he is he's got a lot of potential, he's not he's not a fit at the Tigers. At no. the Tigers, he's had he's had since twenty fourteen has not made a final series, and they're still sort of wrapping him up <sighs> because they think because he has the potential to be very good. 
I think he needs to move to another club. That would be best for him. It would be best for the Tigers. That would free up even more space. I don't mm. know why they're not throwing the kitchen sink at a guy like Dale Finucane. Like How they let Dale Finucane go to the Sharks when they were in talks with him is ridiculous. It's beyond me because they had all that space left in the cap. And that's obviously something we looked at, look back sort of in retrospect. But they had all yeah. that space left in the cap. They knew they did, but they still didn't go after a guy like Dale Finucane. Oh, because they didn't want to offer him four years. You offer him four years. He improves the culture at that club so much and gives them a far better chance of making the finals than a guy like Tavita Pangai, who were they after? Who they didn't even get Tavita Pangai either. Like, yeah, oh, oh, they need to fix. They need to fix their recruitment. They need to fix at the top. It, it needs to come from the top down. Yeah, look, he getting as you like talking about Dale Fanuka, he's definitely would set a culture at a club, um, signing you for four years. And look, going back to Luke Brooks, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't think that he's a bad halfback. I think he's one of a really, really talented halfback on his day. Um, the thing with Luke Brooks is he's a second fiddle half, and what I mean by that is he needs someone um, in the halves with him that sort of takes control of, of the side and he sort of um, plays off that person. He needs... Uh, just I'm just thinking, trying to think of someone off the top of my head. He needs someone like Adam Reynolds or, or Nathan Cleary who who um, just takes control of that side. Uh, I'm not saying that they're going to get those players anytime soon. It's very unlikely, but they need someone like that um, that he can play off... Um, that would just improve the club so much. You see it work really well at the at the Penrith Panthers, obviously with Nathan Cleary and Luai. Luai basically plays off everything that Cleary does and, and in turn looks fantastic. Like, you'd have to agree. Um, he def- like, I think that Luke Brooks is sort of similar to Jerome Luai in the sense that he's a, he's a second fiddle half and he just needs that other half um, who can... Um, yeah, who can just take control of the side and let Luke Brooks just play footy? I think with Luke Brooks, um, he just needs a change of setting. He needs to get out of that Tigers uh, outfit. He needs to go to a team that's got a good forward pack and that has that mm. sort of first string half that, that touches the ball a lot. I think um, Dan and Kemp on, on his podcast was talking about it as well, how he thinks – oh, Brett Finch was talking about it actually on that – Spoken of our podcast, he was saying Brooksy needs someone to sort of take control so that he can play his natural game because Brooksy does yeah. have a lot of potential. And if, if he can tap into that potential or another coach can sort of get him to tap into that potential, he can be a great player. Like I can see him going to a side like the Raiders or maybe um, if he goes to like, uh, or maybe if like Piercy comes to the Tigers and they get a few good experienced signings, but I think Luke Brooks does need to change change the scenery. So say he goes oh. to Canberra, right? He'll have Jack White in there, who will obviously be their first string half because mm. he's pretty much playing that role at the moment anyway, even though I don't think he is. But look, he, he can sort of do that role. It would be White at the six, Brooks at the seven. They can sort of take a little bit of responsibility off of each other. So they can sort of feed off oh, each yeah. other's energy rather than rather than one takes all the control or the other takes all the control. And they're both very talented players. So I think the Raiders would be a good place for him. Or, look, if he desperately wants to stay at the Tigers and wants to remain a one-club man, which I don't think is the best decision for his future, there's talks to Mitchell Pearce coming there. So Mitchell Pearce would be a good signing to sort of help Brooksy out a little bit. But you never know what's going to happen. So Well, firstly, firstly, 
Pierce going to the Tigers with with Brooks still there would be fantastic. Pierce would definitely be a player uh, that Brooks can just play off, uh, and that would be suit the the um, suit the Tigers really well. With Canberra, um, honestly, look, Jack Whiten is I would also consider sort of a second fiddle half, just like yeah. the way Sam Williams plays. He Sam Williams sort of plays a, and Matt Frawley even as well plays a really structured game. I think that I think um, why Canberra, uh, one reason why Canberra. I think it's it's also a a um, a coaching staff and a and a and a board problem like 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 with the West Tigers. But I think the, one of the reasons why Canberra was sort of um, was sort of uh, not playing their best footy this season is because. They lost one of their great halfbacks that let Jack Jack Whiten play his best footy. Like George Williams was that guy. George Williams is that first fiddle half that takes control of the side and lets Jack Whiten play his best footy. That's why Jack Whiten wasn't looking up to scratch at the start of this year um, because he didn't have that first fi- uh, fiddle half with him. And I think putting two second fiddle halves together, you're just going to get the same result as you do with the West Tigers. I... I, I Personally, if he does um, end up going to Canberra, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't totally agree with it. It'd be good though because they're two very talented halves. It's just that they need that first fiddle guy to take control of that side. And I think George Williams really did that, and it was really disappointing when they lost him. Dylan, what are your thoughts about this, mate? Yeah, um, you obviously said it. You need a first fiddle and a second fiddle half. Just perfect example is the team's going good at the moment. You have someone like Jerome Hughes and Cameron Munster. Jerome Hughes, obviously not a um, full-time halfback throughout his career, but the way he's turned into a halfback and how good he has turned into the halfback is is phenomenal. But hmm. you have Munster there as well, who plays sort of that off-the-cuff game, not, not afraid to throw the ball around, but also has Jerome Hughes there for a bit of game management and a perfect example, the best example is probably the Penrith duo. You look at Luai without Cleary, you sort of think he's a bit lost and then you throw him in with Cleary, the way Cleary kicks, his game management and then the way Luai has that little bit of X factor and the way he just likes to throw the ball, play off the cuff is just, just first class and you think Luke Brooks needs someone like that. Like when Luke Brooks is like on, he's a very quality player, but he needs the people around him to be playing good, to lay that platform and to have that little bit of guidance with him. And I just don't think that's there at the Tigers at the moment. I tend to disagree in the sense that you need a first fiddle and a second fiddle half. I'd I'd sort of say you can have two guys that complement each other. So obviously the extreme example is Nathan Cleary, who is clearly the on-ball half, and then Jerome Luai, who's who's the sort of spark. But then you've got like George Williams and um, Jack White. And I, I tend to watch them and I think George Williams is is more of a sort of running half. Like, yes, he does have that kicking and passing game, but George Williams was at his best when he was taking the line on. And I think those two complemented each other really well because obviously George Williams had that game management in him, but he was also he also had that spark. And I think Jack White has a little bit of game management in him. While it's not, it's not at its best at the moment, um, I think... Jack White and Luke Brooks could complement each other really well, especially because Luke Brooks, I see as a sort of George Williams sort of player who's who's got that spark, but he's also got a bit of game management in him. I think 
Um, and also, you look at uh, you brought up Munster and Hughes. I think neither Munster nor Hughes um, are sort of that set and forget first fiddle half. I think they again they take the pressure off each other a little bit. And you look at Munster and Cherry, who are both sort of on ball halves who like to have the ball in their hands and like to set up a little bit. Daily Cherry Evans and Munster take the pressure off each other a little bit. So. I tend to disagree when you say you need one person to have all the sort of duties and the other person is the is the spark. I think you can ha- definitely have two guys that just complement each other well. So, yeah, Munster and Hughes is that main example I'll go back to in the sense that Hughes is very much spark. And because he is a fullback, he, he will come in and he'll break a game open. But he also has a very good kicking game, as you touched on in our podcast yesterday, Dylan. Um, I... Yeah, so I'd like to say um, Luke Brooks would be a pretty good fit at Canberra in that seven jersey, especially since Canberra are desperately in need of a seven with George Williams departing. I'd obviously have to put a, a little bit more thought into it, um, but I think off the top of my head, Canberra is sort of the best place for him to go, um, just off the top of my head. Yeah, no, I, 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 do, um, I do sort of agree uh, with the fact that Canberra would be the best place for him to go. I think... Um, he'd definitely suit their style of play well and he'd suit their culture well. And I think he'd go really well uh, under Ricky Stewart as well. Well, that's all we have time for today. Um, thanks for hopping on, boys. Great chat. Yeah, thanks for having us. On. All good, boys. Catch up. Well, that's all we have time for today. Recommend this podcast to a friend and I'll see you guys in the next one. Mm-hmm.